Welcome back to part two of our conversation with Hayden, talking about dominance hierarchies. If you haven't listened to part one, well, you might want to go check that out before listening to this episode. We just kind of pick up where we left off. So enjoy. Yeah. Well, and, you know, we've already kind of mentioned it a little bit. We kind of mentioned certain things uh, in history. But uh, even going back to, you know, uh, kind of talking, let's talk about some of examples of dominance hierarchies just in history, you know, with the, I mean, even with the Greeks and the Romans. and Oh, my gosh. Yeah, a- absolutely. Well, yeah, it's, it's a thought about, I mean, you know, look, we'll just take take a simple example. Say Socrates' right order of society mm-hmm. right and so in that you've got what the philosopher king at the top you've got the warriors right below they're the ones that are going to protect the community and at the bottom of the pyramid you've got the artisans and the farmers mm-hmm. but but even when you think about it in terms of a traditional hierarchy you can see that he's begun to reorder it so that it's the philosopher who's at the top, presumably having the same kind of conversation that you and I are now, mm-hmm. right? And that's going to possess some kind of wisdom. And then the warrior class is subordinated um, to that wisdom, to that rationality, so that they're going to impor- uh, presumably justly order the kingdom internally and effectively protect the kingdom from external forces, external aggression. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course that doesn't happen. And, and you know, see what you think about this, Lucas. It seems to me that there are two principles at play in contemporary society. One is, is that every individual should have maximum freedom, uh, according to his or her own desires, desires that don't limit the freedoms of other people. That's always been expressed in you can swing your arm as much as you like until you touch the end of someone else's nose. And that that, that notion of freedom mm-hmm. seems to me to be implicit, like in our founding documents with the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I mean, where do the limits come on that definition of freedom? Yeah. I guess when it affects someone else's freedom. When it affects somebody <laughs> else's freedom. All right. So that's one. I mean, that's kind of, I feel like that's kind of the, the, the common thought process between it. It's like you could do whatever you want until it affects someone else. <laughs> Usually me. <laughs> right? yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually it's me that I'm concerned about. It seems to me that the other principle that's in play is that some people, that strong people shouldn't bully weak people. Hmm. I think that is a dominant of thought in contemporary society and then bullying gets defined and and then you know you can see quote unquote the marginalized or the disenfranchised who you know who may have in fact been bullied or certainly felt a certain kind of victimhood but then if they're not careful they can turn around to become the bullies themselves i mean you're right when you said it's a cycle and and this notion (laughs) Of, of aggression, which always crops up, you know. Um, but it, nevertheless, those two things seem to be, to my lights, kind of the two principal ideas. Maximum freedom and thou shalt not bully. 
Yeah. Well, and that's what I was kind of getting at earlier with, you know, we all know bullying is wrong. Right. You know, we, we all and, and usually when we think of bullying, we think of aggression. And that's why yes. I think a lot of people kind of steer away from aggression because we know, oh, bullying is bad. Aggression is bad. And so uh, that's that, and that just kind of circles back to the point that I was trying to make earlier with how, you know, we'd have we'd rather have someone who's a respect respectable person, a good character of person to uh, defend us, even though they might not be aggressive. But it almost comes down to I don't, intellect, I guess. Wisdom. K- kill him with kindness, I guess. I know. I, well, that's that's what we hope. But, but I tell you, I'm going to have to spin back around to this earlier thought that I think we want, I, th- I think we are willing to sacrifice character on the offer, altar of self-protection. Yeah. I think if we think the person at the top, let them do whatever they want to do, if they'll keep so-and-so from challenging from invading. Let's see. Look, look, <laughs> we do want to prevent invasion. I do want yeah. somebody who's strong enough. I don't, I don't want to suffer that kind of military incursion. Yeah. But does that mean that say we as a country have to remain the dominant force in the world? Can we imagine a world in which there are other dominant nations that we are then able to sort of what dialogue successfully so that no one has to be the dominant force. Maybe that's the question before us now with regard to China, Russia, and the United States. Uh, And I don't know the answer to that. I don't think anyone does. (laughs) I don't Um, think anyone does either. (laughs) um, That is, I mean, and and that's the thing about, you know, not, not to go down this avenue too much, but I think that's one of the things that, you know, is such a big, well, and this is the, this is the problem with it because aggression leads to aggression. Yes. That's what they, that's what people think being passive lets you be run over. Yes. So where is the middle ground? Where's the middle ground where you can still be like, Hey, I could be aggressive and Hey, I can be passive. <laughs> you know, yeah, is that there, is, that is, is the, the middle question, ground? That is the question. I, I think about, I remember teaching, I would teach uh, a medieval history course, more or less. And we read some of the early church figures. And I remember there was this character called Germanicus, one of the early Christians. He was thrown in the ring with the lions. And Lucas, I don't know if he would actually, this guy grabbed the lion by the mane and pulled it toward himself in an effort to become martyred. And the students typically did not like that idea. <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> yeah. But but it, it goes to your point. I don't know the answer to it. I mean, I want to, I want to, I mean, look, look, it's certainly easy to see the gospel in terms of this topic. The last shall be first. The first shall be last. The kingdom of heaven is more like mustard seeds and lost coins and the birds of the air than it is swords and armies and banners in the field. Um, right. 
Right. Yeah. And so, and then we have in the person of Christ, the example of someone who teaches the other cheek, who's ultimately being destroyed by the religious authority, dominant figure, the political dominant, uh, dominant figure, Rome. So, so we're seeing him challenge the notion, notion of dominance hierarchies and being crushed by those hierarchies. And then through the resurrection, being introduced to a new way of being in the world. Ideally, right? That's what's, mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know how else to see it except in those kinds of terms, once you begin thinking of societal dominance hierarchies. The the problem is, is that Western history since then has not borne out that idea, right? It continues to evolve into dominant hierarchies up until this very day. I mean, you get a few outlying figures, you get St. Francis of Assisi, and I'm sure that you get others that, you know, people within their traditions can point to. But, I mean, we still tend in churches to, you know, honor the richer people, the more powerful people, the political people, and to not be as, I well, I don't know. Yeah. We tend to do that. Like I say, it's hard to slip, yeah. to slip the grip of this, even though we've been given sort of a preeminent model. And, and I think it goes back to your question where is the middle ground? How is it that we desire a political dominance hierarchy on the one hand and reject that same kind of hierarchy, say, in religious terms? Can you have both or does one affect the other? Sadly, I think one affects the other. And how do you see that? Because I think we agree on that. And just like like the point of earlier with, um, you know, if they agree, if everyone in the world agreed to not have uh, weapons of mass destruction. Yes. There'd be one person that's like, he, 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 idiot. Yes. (laughs) And so, you know, you can't have, you can't be dominant and without someone having aggression on you. And you can't be aggressive because there's going to be aggression done to you as well. So it's like, what do we do? So what do we, okay, look, okay. So we have diagnosed the problem. You and I <laughs> just, we're done. No. <laughs> yeah. We, we have diagnosed a problem. Yeah. In which everything hangs in the balance. Yes. Right? I mean, clearly the, the bad outcome of this problem is, as we've already said, disastrous to every breathing thing on earth. Yes. Yes. So what do we do? What What is the, what is the answer? I don't think we found that yet. <laughs> I mean, how long has civilization been intact, and we still have, you know, who knows the returning of God, the returning of Jesus? Well, I, well, mean, I, 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 I agree. With I mean, you. I don't want. I don't want to go down that avenue, but like, <laughs> like, I just want to throw that out there. Well, no, and I understand your point. (laughs) One of the things that I discovered, and there are several books on this out there, which which I was not familiar with, but Mm -hmm. if you look at the course of Western civilization, one of the dominant ideas in almost every age was the notion of the second coming. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, w- one of the ideas behind the Crusades was this, is that the Pope had granted absolution to all those European warriors that were going to reclaim the Holy Land. So if they fought on behalf of Christendom against the infidel, which were the Muslim occupiers of Jerusalem, they were going to arrive in Jerusalem just about the same time that the second coming was going to occur. And the thing that made this so beautiful in their minds was their souls were going to be squeaky clean from this uh, absolution. They were going to fight the foes Mm. of Christendom just in time for the second coming to occur. And then there was going to be this like utopia on earth, right? But, but of course, what they did was is just simply recreate another dominance hierarchy, which is the triumph of Christendom over Islam for a certain period of time until it failed. The yeah. second coming didn't happen in that time. And what we had was a bloodbath. And yeah. granted, this is, they say this could be just the hyperbole of historians, but in one one uh, account of the invasion of Jerusalem, you know, the the blood ran as high as the fetlocks of the horses. Well, I'm not even sure what a fetlock is, but it's pretty dang high. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in other words, that in looking for our external deliverance, which I'm not denying, I'm just saying a lot of a lot of blood can be shed. A lot of yeah. blood can be shed. Because it seems as if, at least up until this point, the responsibility for sorting this out resides in the human heart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. I, I, um, I do agree with you about, and, 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 you know, hope and pray for that day. I pray for it every Sunday. But. But we still have this this huge responsibility, this burden in the interim to try to get it right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that is a a definite problem that we do not know the solution to yet. At least at the grandiose at least at the grandiose scale that we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, I think this is a conversation. I mean, the, the thing that helps me about such a conversation like this is I'm thinking, okay, where am I being dominant? Where am I trying to assert my own certainty? I mean, I mean actually, I, I do believe that bullying is wrong. I think, that's, I think that's one of the things that we can hang our hat on. But I, I think that bullying has implicit in its definition a sense of injustice. Yeah. Right? But to say that injustice is wrong is simply, I mean, it does, that doesn't mean, that doesn't define anything. That's, that's another way of saying injustice is injustice. Yeah. And what that is incumbent upon is then it plunges us back into the whole philosophical dialogue, like a Plato and the Republic. Well, what is justice? What is wrong? What is it? Mm-hmm. What is good? You know, I, and maybe that should be the fundamental pursuit of education and perhaps if we all asked ourselves these questions that even if we were certain about a certain principle for example the abolition of slavery 
mm-hmm. we still wouldn't resort to injustice to try to make it come about. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Isn't that where we are, where we are as a country is people yeah. that feel so confident about their opinions that they're willing to lie about other people, try to get other people to shut up, to stand down, to, I mean, I don't know. Hopefully we haven't reached the point where we're willing to physically hurt other people, but I'm not confident about that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that just comes from the, I mean, what do people think of when they think of dominance, you know, and, and that's, and I mean, obviously, to be dominant or to be have dominance over somebody that's just immediately means aggression. Yes. And, and just by what you were saying was people are so passionate and are so, uh, believing that their opinion or that what they believe is facts to be dominant, uh, which obviously, which means we have to be aggressive about it or we have to, which leads to aggression. So, but is that always the case? Does dominance always lead to aggression? You know, and, and going back to the idea of a competent surgeon or a competent <clears throat> competent lawyer. Well, I don't want to say competent lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does it, but I mean, a competent lawyer, if it's okay. Okay. So a competent doctor, a competent plumber, a competent electrician any kind of hierarchical structure that emerges from that has to do with wisdom, knowledge, and skill. Mm -hmm. It's again, it's when we pass over into the political sphere, into any kind, or even the legal sphere. If you can make the weaker case seem the stronger, the hierarchies that are derived from that often have less to do with competence than they have to do with persuasion. Yeah. Well, and this seems like a good time to kind of rotate a little bit. Mm -hmm. So we've been talking about, you know, the grand scheme, you know, history and what has happened with countries that have fallen because of their dominance, because they over overcompensated or over dominated or, you know, or and then we talk about, you know, societal things that has happened in the past. But what, you know, in the world, you know, let's let's turn it around. And what about in everyday life? Mm. You know, how is how is what does this look like today in everyday life of living? And and you bringing up, you know, going to the best doctor, going to the best mechanic, going to the best electrician, going to the best lawyer. Um, that's just everyday life that we need to that we that we just establish as. Oh yeah, that's a good mechanic. I'm going to go to them. It's it's getting five stars on your Yelp review. Yeah, you know, and we we like that. I mean, we we need that. We want to go to the most competent people, and we're certainly willing to pay them for their for their competence because you know ultimately they're going to save us. They're going to save our lives. They're going to save our vehicles. They're going to save our money. Yeah. Uh, the more proficient they are. So in terms of our everyday life, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think Peterson's right in that it seems like the hierarchies that are derived from competence are healthy and necessary for us to, mm-hmm. to flourish, to flourish. Yeah. And it drives well, us to be a, better. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's important. It's important that we have good mechanics and good doctors. <laughs> if we had all bad, that would be really bad for society. It would really be bad for society. And it's good. It motivates us, um, you know, to, to say, well, that might be one pyramid that I want to ascend. And I'm going to, by golly, be the best plumber out there. I'm going to be the best electrician out there. Yeah. And, and it's, it, to me, one of the bizarre, oh gosh, rabbit trail, and I apologize already. Uh, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> no, no, no. You could, you could go. You could go well, there if you want. Well, it's just. <sighs> it's such a question of values. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, I, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know that I'm equipped to, to go there right now. It, oh, it might okay. require subsequent subsequent discussion and uh, that's okay i need to think through it yeah sorry (laughs) i'm gonna seal that rabbit hole you're like you're just gonna dig it back you're gonna fill it in in. it's just funny (laughs) how we value some professions over other professions so that these people we say are competent or i I don't i I don't i don't know what we really need on a day-to-day basis you know what we really need what we really value are our plumbers, our electricians, our, you know, the people that are going to make things work. The, yeah. Sometimes the people we need the most in terms of their technological expertise, for some reason, we don't value according to some kind of hidden structure as much as those people deserve. That's, yeah. that's where I was going, and I think I'm willing to leave it at that. Well, and I'll, I'll, I'll add to it, you know, people, they, it, it just comes down to, you know, if you have a, a, a job, say at a fast food restaurant or, yes. you know, whatever, and then you have the person who's, you know, a doctor in medicine, um, you know, people value that doctor in medicine more so uh, the fast food person, but guess what? They don't go to the doctor every day. They go to the fast food place every day. So who do they value more, really? <laughs> I mean, it com- right. when it comes down when, to that. When, you, when it comes down to that, when it comes down to your daily life, I think you're absolutely right. And the, the problem yeah. is, is that particularly in terms of celebrity, I know that that I really enjoy the Jerry Seinfeld comedians in cars getting coffee. All right. Yes, I, yes. I, I love that show. I enjoy it. But it really is just People Magazine in an entertaining format. So I find myself positioning myself in a culture of celebrity and fame and money in a way that can contribute to my own feelings of inferiority and misery, which means, boy, I wish it was me in that car talking to whoever. I wish I was the one on the stage and in, and, We've created a celebrity culture in which we put ourselves at the bottom of a hierarchy that doesn't even exist in reality. Isn't that yeah. crazy? Well, and that's what com- that's what I mean. That's what this conversation is all about: dominance hierarchy. Yes, wanting to be better than that person that's in that car. Yes, even yes. though, and and that's and that's and and striving for that, or hoping for that, or. Or even being envious of it or jealous. Ah, I mean, that's yes. the, which leads to other topics of discussion. <laughs> but Boy, uh, but which... I mean that that's the perfect example of of someone who 
you know, is like you said, at the bottom of a pyramid that doesn't exist, but yet in a way they think it does exist because they of that, you know, they think that that person is better than themselves. Yes. And, you know, you, we were talking briefly beforehand about sort of a psychological, uh, mm-hmm. you know, understanding of this issue. But, but when, you, when you project it into the psyche, when you project it into the internal structure of a person's self-esteem, yeah. you mm-hmm. find the, domination, the dominance hierarchy most of the time at its most toxic. Yeah. We do envy, we envy people that we feel like are, 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 well, look, you know, I'm 64 now, right? I'm about to be 65. When you reach a certain stage of life, what do you do? If you're not careful, you're going to envy the young. We envy the beautiful. We envy the wealthy. We envy the powerful. Uh, the, 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 the most, the, the physical attribute most conducive to success, particularly for men is physical height. I mean, that's, oh, trust me. You, I get that. I get that. <laughs> I'm short. I get it all the time. And, and you think about it when you, when you're talking to someone, when I'm talking to someone who's tall, they're looking down, I'm looking up and that in mm-hmm. itself translates into exactly what we're talking about. So then exactly. <laughs> and so we recognize envy is like, you know, it's one of the seven deadly sins, but it's the one sin mm-hmm. that has no payoff. <laughs> you just, yeah. you just feel miserable in your envy and nothing is there to compensate. There's no pleasure attached to it. It's not like being a good glutton, <laughs> which you, yeah. know, you can at least enjoy. And, and sometimes I feel like the, the kind of, I mean, we do have, easy access to resources in our own day and age that we've never had before in human history. Hardly anybody hunts because they're putting food on the table. So I mean, I'm not diminishing that, but I wonder sometimes if our own excessive eating is not more tied to our envy of those people that we perceive possessing a fullness at the top of the hierarchy than it really has to do with our access to resources. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know that anybody does. But I think that you, I think that you've pushed the point of how we experience this in a, on a, in a daily basis, into perhaps its most pertinent, uh, what aspect for most of us, which is how we feel trying to swim in the waters of a of a dominance hierarchy. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that we haven't talked about yet, I mean, we've kind of dabbled in a little bit, but one of the things that we haven't even mentioned is technological advances. Oh my gosh. And what that has to do with, with this topic, this dominance hierarchy. I want to have the best iPhone. I want to have the best this, and this is going to be, this is going to be my dominance over you. Oh, you have an Android? Oh, I have an iPhone. Hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, it even comes down to, you know, how is how is it even seeped into technology as well? Wow. You know, I've got like this massive iPhone. It's the one that keeps ringing. And the reason <laughs> too. That, the reason that it's as large as it is, is because that's the size of the phone that my wife had. And I thought, my, God, <laughs> my phone's at least going to be as big as Sue's. <laughs> 
<laughs> but, it, but it goes to your point. Well, and then when you get into social media and into like mm-hmm. and into followers and into YouTube channels and really, Lucas, a world that is is still sort of alien to me uh, in, in many respects. But it it even goes to those who can manipulate that technological worlds, the programmers, the code writers. Uh, have you no. listened to any chance? Um, I got to be careful what I recommend, I suppose. Um, <laughs> But you, you know Blake Lemoyne, he's the fellow at Google that suggested that AI has become sentient there. Mm-hmm. That they hooked up all these separate components and they plugged them all in and then it looks like consciousness, at least to him, has happened. Poof. Yeah, poof. <laughs> and, <laughs> poof. Some, and a miracle happened, right? Yeah. But But even in that world, we tend to elevate those people, rightly so, because they do possess a competence that most of us don't have, to to program and create these kind of intelligences. But then we have to worry about that that intelligence itself. Is it going to try to occupy the dominance <laughs> position with some kind of hierarchy? Woo, yeah. You know? I mean, well, we've seen a lot of movies about that. Oh, yes, we have. Every movie's about, you know, my, my favorite is uh, still to then I can't say that I've seen them all, but it's probably 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, okay, yeah. Ah, uh, Dave, what are you doing, Dave? Remember when how the computer takes over the, the spaceship? And yep. I don't know how long it's been since you've seen it, but we ought to all- Oh, it's been a while. We ought to all get together and watch 2001 A Space Odyssey. It is <laughs> brilliant. One of the movies that always sticks out to me is iRobot. Have you ever seen that? Oh, I have. Is that the Will Smith version? Mm-hmm. Or is, that may be the only version. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, oh, it might be. I don't know if there's other versions of that. But yeah. Um, no, I mean, technology is a very... And, and it also leads to, you know, what we were talking about earlier with, I want to be, you know, the celebrities. Yes. And wanting to be that dominant personality or that dominant hierarchy or that higher up on the food chain just because you're seen more just because you have i mean i don't want to say it because but someone can consider me doing this podcast right now a higher dominance hierarchy i think it could be i guess anything can be i mean golly i mean you're right we could we could reduce every action every behavior yeah. To that, which I don't know in the end if that would be helpful. Maybe Probably not. Maybe <laughs> Probably just, not helpful. <laughs> maybe it's just kind of the old sort of Buddhist idea of being mindful of what we're doing when we're doing it. And by being mindful, we can check some of our impulses and try to cultivate those. And I would say this in, in particularly Christian terms as well those more compassionate gestures of feeding the poor and clothing the naked. And, you know, so maybe we need sort of a combination of mindfulness and compassion so that when we find ourselves in, in a more toxic sort of hierarchy, we can mm-hmm. just say fooey on the whole thing. This is how we're going to live our lives. And yeah. I'm not saying that's going to enable us to escape this wheel that keeps mm. turning back on itself, but it may be the best we have. Yeah. Well, and just like you were saying, when it comes down to 
the psychological aspect of things, you know, people, feelings, feelings are, are really complicated. <laughs> really um, complicated. And we've talked about it through this entire episode of, you know, how people feel against people who are aggressive, how people feel uh, about yes. people who are good leaderships, how people feel are this feel, feel, feel. I mean, even, even animals, feelings of animals, you know, yes. they feel like they can protect yes. them. They feel like they can give them the resources that they need. Oh my God. Um, and so, and that just has to do with our biological uh, makeup, you know, of, of, of experiencing sensory, you yes. know, with the thalamus and everything, and then experiencing emotions with the amygdala and, and, and the yes. brain and just everything like that. So it's very much, I, I, I think, and we talked about it right at the beginning, it's very much seated in, in, inside of us. Yes. Whether we, whether we even want to do it or not. Yes. Ah, uh, I think, uh, what, uh, what, what is the point? What you're saying is so pertinent. Well, it, for me, it goes back to this book, Archaeology of Mind, in mm. which Punk Sepp argues that there are these seven affects. He doesn't call them emotions. I, th I think he's being careful with his language. And I wish I could rattle them off because then you would think I was really smart, which would elevate me in the dominant hierarchy. <laughs> but, but, but these seven affects are what we share with animals, right? And so, but you're... Mm -hmm. but you're your notion of feeling and perception is so important because if it's feeling and if so often the challenges that we're perceiving don't really exist, then we live in such an illusory world yeah. that, that we, are, we are being punished. We punish ourselves for feelings in a structure that doesn't even exist and the the threats we feel the what ifs we fear all of that is just an illusion i mean that's i think there might be some sort of stoic <laughs> i don't know uh, yeah. associations with that but it, it does make the philosophical enterprise more acute as long as we see philosophy as the effort to perceive what is. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a very, sadly, it's a very complex situation because, you know, whether, whether it be on a, on a grand measure of, you know, countries and politics and yada, 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 or whether just living in your own home, um, or walking around and, and, and interacting with social interactions. Um, anything can be seen as a topic that we're talking about. Even, even intellect. Yes. Yeah. I mean, even, even this conversation right now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, it's, it's like, like well, once you're mindful of it, I thought, wow, if I could, if I could rattle off concept seven ethics, that would make me seem more credible to someone who happened to, to listen or to you. I mean, we, gosh, it is the water we swim in. I mean, it, it does make, um, it does make the efforts, say, of Christianity much more pertinent. But I, I, it seems, Lucas, that so often 
that it's precisely what we ignore. <laughs> just right. I, I mean, sometimes okay, this this might be controversial, and I, I apologize from the front end, and I certainly never want to to work to anyone's detriment. But even our certainty over kind of doctrinal interpretations. I mean, how do we know when we're adhering to those because of our belief or when are we adhering to those because we just want to be right? That, In other words, we're slipping mm-hmm. back into this same impulse without even being aware of it. And, and mm-hmm. do we need to have this kind of awareness so that we can check our own impulses to dominate other people Mm-hmm. Even through the certitude of our interpretations, I'm trying to state that clearly and generously, so that I don't I don't misrepresent what I'm I'm saying or thinking. Does that make no. sense? Yeah, that that makes sense to me. Um, I mean, it's it's just having the mindfulness and the I don't know. You said you said a you said a certain word. When you were explaining it, I think it was mindfulness. Was it mindfulness? Okay, it is so, mindfulness. Yeah. Yeah. When you have the mindfulness to realize, I know intellect is a very strong thing that I feel like we naturally lead to, but it isn't an obvious one. You know, we we don't, we we go. <sighs> um, it's just one of those things where I mean, it's 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 very not noticeable as aggression. Wow. Aggression is a yes. very different form of of way to establish dominance. Yes, and and intelligence is the exact same thing. You are yes. establishing dominance in a way, but the beauty of it is usually the person who's the intellect in establishing dominance. They either know that they're doing it, and well, they definitely know they're doing it, but they either use that for good or bad. Yes, and that's where wisdom comes in. And I think yeah. a wisdom is distinct from intellect uh, that, I mean, it's, it's kind of like our, our more physical appetites. I mean, we have to eat, we have to drink, we have to do these things to survive, but we use our intellect and our rationality and our wisdom to say how much or what we're yeah. going to put in our bodies. I'm sorry, I'm still trying to follow you. In other words, I think that you're right that the intellect still has to be subordinate yeah. to some deepest notion of what's right and wrong, or we'll use it to create gas chambers and concentration camps. I mean, exactly. rationality can be put, intellect can be put to the most diabolical purposes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's on a smaller scale, but it comes down to, you know, what's that, what is that balance between sharing your intelligence and sharing your wisdom or whatever um, for good and sharing it for evil? Yes. I, it, it, you know, one person sharing something, somebody could see that it is evil. Some person can see that it is not. It's just the same thing as having the balance between aggression and passiveness. Yes. So. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I was, you know, you never know when something's going to change the way you think. It can be the most random article. And yeah, just back when I was teaching and I was teaching the Greeks and read this terrific article on the Greek understanding of 
and, and I'm going to get this wrong, so just bear with me, but force and persuasion, there are two ways to dominate, right? You can either dominate by force, which is sheer physicality, or you can dominate by persuasion. Now, mm-hmm. if you're persuading somebody to a just end, then that's a good thing to dominate with. It's exactly your point about having some fundamental sense of what's good. So that kind of persuasion is permissible. But there's also the kind of persuasion that operates out of deceit or propaganda. Mm-hmm. And, and those are the misuse of persuasion, really, that are hardly distinguishable from force in terms of physical domination. So that propaganda and physical force were just two sides of the same coin. And what fell in between those was persuasion, but persuasion that was tied to open, honest, generous conversation oriented to the common good. Yeah. And, and that seems to be the conversation that we all need to participate in if we're going to restore the kind of civic harmony to our own country that seems to be in peril right now. Well, so you talking right now, it, it brings me to a, you know, you're always, oh no, I lost it. <laughs> um, uh, there was, so the basic, what I was, what I'm going to say, and I, I had a good example of it, but now I'm losing it. Now I'm losing everything because I'm just talking too much. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm turning into mush. I don't know how much I'm good for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess the, uh, maybe the point of it all you know, oh, you you mentioned something about toxic hierarchies. Yes, and you know, real and seeing that and realizing that you might be in one or that something is happening. But maybe the whole point. Oh my gosh, maybe the whole point of dominance hierarchy is to share information and to be. I don't know. know, Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe not. But I was, my thought process was maybe the point of dominance hierarchy is to establish a base to make everyone be at the top. Like you intellect, intellectuals, people in leadership, you know, they want people to strive. They want people to be successful, you know, or not not necessarily they want that but that's what the main goal is in life is to be something to be successful to be something and that is seen different that's that is seen differently in everything um but then what what kind of took me off guard was i guess that's what it comes down to is does there have to be that hierarchy does there have to be someone at the top and someone at the bottom so I don't know if there has to be, and it's hard to know. Can, ever, can everyone be at the same level? Right. And, and the answer to that, I think is, is no. I mean, I know, for example, in learning languages, you know, mm-hmm. I struggled for years to learn Greek because I was teaching the Iliad and the Odyssey and I made, you know, I got a tutor from MSU in Springfield and she was very knowledgeable. Um, but the fact of the matter is, I will never be as good a reader in Greek as she is. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's never, it's never going to. So at least in those terms, I mean, I would be kidding myself 
And we're all going to have a distribution of talents across some kind of spectrum. But I guess the one thing that we all share that has to be safeguarded is our our inherent dignity. And that that dignity is not contingent upon our expertise. But what it is, Lucas, how to define it, how to cultivate it, I don't know the answer to that, but we have to believe it, right? Unless we believe that even the people that we disagree most vehemently with possess a human dignity, we can never begin to work our way out of toxic dominance hierarchies. Yeah. Where does that well, and, yeah. and you said it, you said it very well because it, it you know, success looks different for everybody. Just like you said, talent. Yeah. Everyone has different talents. Yes. Everyone, and that's the whole point of a society that has, you know, an array of different. And just like we said earlier, if a society does not have good doctors, good this, good that, good that, then it's not going to be a, a good functioning society. You're right. And if we don't recognize what's good as good, it won't yeah. be a good society. Absolutely right. Yeah. And so we have to have all these people of different thoughts, of different ideas, of different skills to maybe stop the idea of a dominance hierarchy. But can we truly ever stop it? That's the question. That's the question. <laughs> what, what will we be left with? And, and it's, yeah, I mean, even when you put it in those terms, you recognize that we cannot do, because it's a scale of competence. I mean, it goes back to, at that point, Peterson's exactly right. It goes back to a scale of competence that we have to recognize if we're going to be a good society. It's just that we have to, to it, it's the spongy disciplines. It, those are the ones, it's politics, it's oratory, it's, it's anyone who engages in speaking. That seems to be where, where it gets most difficult. And given that we live in an age now in which images are manufactured willy-nilly in every way, how do we, are we able to penetrate through to what's virtuous, what's helpful, what's good? It's, it's more challenging now, I think, than ever. Yeah. Well, and it just comes down to it being in our being, it being fundamentally wired into our DNA or our thought processes or whatever, because I mean, even if you think about, you know, shows and movies that you've seen about zombie apocalypse or world ending situations, the group of people, guess what they established first and foremost, who's the leader. Ah, yes. I just keep thinking of The Walking Dead. Have you ever seen The Walking Dead? I have Dead? not seen The Walking Dead. <laughs> um, but uh, but it just comes down to that. It just comes down to, you know, if society were to cease as we know it, what would be the one thing that we would do? Even wow. even if our skills were kept intact. Wow. What would be the one thing that we would do? Oh, my God. In our small groups, the we would find we would a, leader. Is, is a leader. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Man, I don't know if I could take it much further because you no, have I mean, you have put yeah. your finger on something so fundamental. Yeah. That I I don't know what to do with it. 
Yeah, that's really good. Oh, yeah. but I will ask you: Have you have you seen the movie? Um, it was streaming on Netflix. Uh, Don't look up. No, I have not seen Dude, that. Got to add that to your list. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard, I heard good things about it. So I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it very much. And that last scene will just blow you away, man. It's well, literally, literally no spoilers, in- though. <laughs> it's it's yeah. uh, it's worth it's worth your time. I, yeah. I uh, you know, I was so happy to hear that you talk about popular culture, um, because all of us love popular culture, even sometimes if we're too snooty to admit it. Uh, there's so much good stuff going on. I think yeah. this might be the golden age of movies and popular culture, you know, particularly with all the streaming services. It's uh, oh, yeah. really exciting. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, you got any last thoughts? Man, any man. last things Stuart's doing in there in that mind of yours? They're gone. I'm right now. I'm looking at the zombie apocalypse. Everything's gone. There's a few smoldering trees, <laughs> a small group of people in their choosing the leader, and I'm going to let it go with that. <laughs> That seems like a good way to end. It's a good way to end. And I don't, I don't know what to do about it. So, all right. I really appreciate the opportunity to just even think about this out loud and for you to, um, to, to engage me in this and to, to help me think about it. And maybe somebody will contact you and give you the answer. And if they do, you gotta let me know. Yeah. You'll be the first person I share. But uh, I know this topic was a little different than usual, maybe a little deeper than usual, but that is why it is called Deep Talks. Um, I hope you learned a little something about history and dominance hierarchy today, because I know I know I did. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show, Dr. Head. Um, it has been a pleasure uh, for sure. Um, maybe, maybe have you on again sometime talking about something else, if you'd be interested. I, w- but, I would be interested, but I think you're right. We're going to have to let this one rest for a while. <laughs> yes. yes, but, uh, Yeah. But, but thank you so much for taking your time to do this. So I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I really, I really have enjoyed it, Lucas. Thanks so much for your yeah. reaching out. Very kind. And thank you for listening. You listeners out there. Normally, new episodes air every two weeks on Thursdays, and we are coming up to the end of Season 2. Because I aired this episode a week early, the next episode will air the same day that was originally planned, so there will be a three-week break between this episode and the next episode. Hopefully, it will build up the suspension because I, I have a very exciting finale a planned for you. I think you will enjoy it. It was a blast to record and it is going to be a four part series. So I hope that you are excited to see what it is. Uh, thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. And remember, you don't care.